and thank God for his presence in this place. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We love you. We honor you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence in this place. Lord, we come before you tonight not asking you to move, but thanking you that you are here. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in this place because you are present, because you abide with us. You are the anointing that abides, and it is you that changes life. For Jesus, you said that you are the vine and that we are the branches and that apart from you we can do nothing. Father, I thank you that your word says says that because we are connected to you, we don't just bear fruit, but we bear much fruit. So I thank you, Father, as your words leave my lips and enter their ears, we collectively bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in this place. The word of God, the promises of God demonstrated not just in speaking, but with demonstration of power. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are king. You are Lord. Lord. You are truly sovereign. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you and we are the kings and the lords that you are King and Lord over. We give you ourselves completely. Be fully represented in power, in might, in word, and in demonstration in this place. I thank you, Lord God, and I just confess before this congregation, Jesus is with me. Jesus is for me. Jesus is in me. Therefore, all things are possible. All things shall be done by the power of his word and by the power of his spirit everywhere I go God goes sickness flees disease dies devils go the kingdom of God is demonstrated in power and in might and it shall be so this day and every day in Jesus mighty name amen and amen give God a shout of praise hallelujah, hallelujah. praise the Lord you may be seated the mission the plan, the purpose, the mission, the plan, the purpose, everything that God is doing specifically in this day and in this season is about Jesus. I forgot to set my timer. Don't worry, I'm not texting. <laughs> Nobody saw that. <clears throat> everything that God is doing in this day in this time and in this season is about Jesus and about manifesting Jesus. Anything that does not have to do with this is not of the Spirit of God and is a waste of time. It will be accomplished by in the believer through the Word of God and the Spirit of God working in perfect tandem in your life. It's not God working somewhere, somehow, never sure how it's going to happen, never sure how it's going to come to pass, and never sure how things are going to change. It is the Word of God and it is the Spirit of God working in perfect tandem. Everything that God is doing, now this is the case Pretty much in every season, everything comes back to Christ because the word says he has the preeminence. All things were created by him and all things were created for him. So really in every season, everything is about Jesus. But the safeguard for you in this season is to know that the way the spirit of the Lord is moving in our midst, in your circumstance, and in our country, it is about Jesus 
it is about manifesting Jesus, and it shall be accomplished by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God working in perfect tandem in the life of the believer. That is a mandate for you to act on the Word of God without any um, external cause. The, your cause is the Word of God. So you read it, and you act. You hear the message, and you act. And then there's the special prompting of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that what God joined together, no man separate. We often refer to that in the context of marriage. But marriage is representative of a greater, of a greater truth. It is your union with Christ. What God has put together, let no man separate. So when you are thinking about the special leading of the Holy Spirit, don't divide it up so much like it's just a common or a, a thing that happens every now and again, and we use the term special for it, and we use the term the anointing falls and the anointing lifts. No, you walk with him, and it shall be done. Well, I probably won't finish because I already feel led to go differently than I had prepared. Why, why plan? I mean, you get up here and the Holy Spirit just changes everything. Um, no, planning is good. Planning is important. Um, your answer is in the services. Your answer is being in the house of the Lord more now than in any previous season of your life. Variableness in spiritual results does not come from the will of God. Variableness or inconsistency in results does not come from the will of God, the plan of God, the mission of God, or the purpose of God. There is no shadow of turning in Him. It's almost as if God, we're looking at a fixed point. He's got a mission. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got a fixed point. And there's no shadow of turning in him. So he doesn't look a little bit to the left of his desire and his will. And he doesn't look a little bit to the right to, of his will. He's dead on and it does not change. There is no shadow of turning in him. There is no darkness in him. He is consistently the same. His word is consistently the same. And so the spirit that dwells in you is just as consistent. He's not fickle. He's not capricious. And he doesn't, there's no variableness with him. So if he doesn't change and his word doesn't change, why is there variableness? We change. So we can get the word to you by means of the internet. We can impart the anointing to you by means of the internet. We can impart the word to you through the podcasts, through the app. You can be touched by the anointing by listening to recorded messages here and elsewhere. You can be touched by the anointing through the recording of anointed praise and worship music. But the reason for variableness in your circumstance, inconsistency in your results, lies in that the word says, as you see the day approaching, 
gather together more often. So it's not that we can't get the word to you through the internet. It's not that God can't touch you in, his, in your home. But the variableness comes from inconsistency in obeying the word of God and the spirit of God. And we are to gather together more frequently as the day approaches. So it's not the only reason, but I'm telling you today that apparently I'm not going to finish my message because you need to hear that your answer is in the services. The mission, the plan, the purpose. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Other translations say to preach the gospel or to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Other translations also talk about the opening of eyes or the giving of sight to the blind. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The glory of the Lord does not come from circumstances as they are. But the glory of the Lord comes from your comfort. The glory of the Lord comes from your consolation. The glory of the Lord is demonstrated in your ashes becoming beauty. The glory of the Lord is your mourning being transformed into joy. The glory of the Lord is demonstrated in your heaviness being transformed into praise. The glory of the Lord is demonstrated in you becoming a tree of righteousness. This is where the glory, glory of the Lord is manifested. And it's how it's manifested. Jesus quoted this scripture in the Gospels. And after he had read this portion of scripture, he rolled up the scroll and he said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your midst. And its fulfillment is not meaning that it is done and that it now becomes passive and a moot point. It means that it has been fulfilled and as is everything in the kingdom, it is eternal. Therefore, it is continually fulfilled. Because everything that Jesus did in his ministry, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, it wasn't just the good news of his death, burial, and resurrection. That hadn't happened yet. It was the good news of the kingdom of God, God's imperial rule. It was the good news of that kingdom that he preached. It was the sick, the lame that he healed, the blind that he healed, the deaf that he healed. It were captives that he set free, demons that he cast out. There were those he took from heavy burdens. There were those who needed money, something even as simple as for taxes, and he provided it. He multiplied food and water. He turned people's joy into mourning. He set them free. He proclaimed to them the year of God's acceptance, and he warned them of God's day of judgment. All those things he did, and all those things he still does, because this word is still 
alive. This word, Isaiah 61, is life to my flesh, to your flesh. Isaiah 61 is life to any dead situation that you are facing. Isaiah 61 is life to the circumstances that you are facing in the workplace. Life to the circumstances you are facing in your family. Life to the circumstances you are facing in your body. Life to the circumstances that we are facing in this country. It has been fulfilled because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is in us and he is with us. He is the anointing that abides with us and the same thing that he did in those gospels. He does through you in your life and in my life. This word is still alive. The mission, the plan, and the purpose of God. We could start anywhere in the Bible. I started in Isaiah 61. But we could start anywhere in the Bible and land where we are about to land in this message. Because the mission has always been the same. The plan has always been the same. The purpose has always been the same. All things were created by him and for him. Everything has always been about Jesus. And everything that God is doing is about manifesting Jesus. And it shall be accomplished by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God acting in perfect tandem in the life of the believer. The book of Isaiah, for one, as one example, like I said, we could start anywhere in the scripture. The book of Isaiah <clears throat> is an incredible book. A lot of scholars like to argue and debate about the book of Isaiah, but it is astounding. And one of the things that it says to me in that book, as I constantly look out of complete deadness, out of complete hopelessness, out of the absence of any goodwill on man's part, God brings forth his promise and his blessing. And it was so powerful that it not only liberated an exiled, rebuked, cursed, rebellious Israel, but it went on to bless generation after generation after generation of non-Israelite people all the way down to this moment that you and I are standing in right now. In Isaiah chapter 11, it says that the Messiah will come out of the stem of Jesse. Other translations say root. You can look at the Hebrew word and it will actually say stump. A stump is dead. A stump is dead. It usually has to have worms living in it. It's rotted. So out of a rotting, dead, useless family line, God would bring salvation not only for Israel, but for the whole earth. God would bring his promise to Abraham and his promise to David, and he would bring it to pass through a dead, through a useless through a lifeless, worm-infested stump of a family line. Tell me again how your family is hopeless. Tell me how, again how there's no hope for your children. Tell me again how your parents can't be saved. Tell me again how God can't do it. He can do it. In Isaiah 51, I think my timer already went off. Oh, no, I still got plenty of time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Nobody text me. I don't think it's the timer. 
In Isaiah 51, God speaks to the children of Israel, exiled, rebellious, hopeless, under the oppression of a foreign nation, under the oppression of an ungodly government. Sound familiar? There's a lot worse in other places than it is here. We ought to thank God every day. But that doesn't mean that it's good here either. There's a lot of good, but things need fixing. God speaks in Isaiah 51, and he says to the children of Israel, I will make your wilderness like Eden. I will make your place of wandering, your place of confusion. I will take your lost state, your homeless state, and I'll make it like paradise before the fall. I'll take your next verse. I believe it's in verse 2. We don't have to turn there. You can go look it up later. Isaiah 51. I believe it's verse 2. I'll take your desert and I'll make it like the garden of God. I will, in other words, I will take your barren place. I will take the place where the soil is so unfruitful that it's rocky sand. And I'll turn it into my garden. You'll bear kingdom fruit. You'll bear godly fruit. And Jesus said in John chapter 15 that the fruit of the kingdom is that fruit that abides. Can you imagine having access to a bush that every time you picked the fruit, even though you took the fruit and still ate it, it somehow the fruit was still there? That's kingdom harvest. I think half the room understood what I just said. Jesus said in John 15, 13, that your fruit would abide, that the fruit that the kingdom of God, that fruit that proceeds forth from Christ, that your fruit would abide. So if it abides, if we say we have an actual physical bush, when you pluck the fruit to eat it, when you pluck the fruit to sell it, when you pluck the fruit to take more seed from it, somehow there's still fruit there. So God is saying, that's kingdom fruit. That's God-level results. When you believe for a harvest, don't believe for a harvest that just shows up. Believe for a harvest that stays. We believe too small. So if you are believing for a harvest, or if you want to think of what a God-like harvest looks like, a God-harvest is capable of taking the desert place... The rocky place, the place where the soil is no good for sowing. And he can turn it into the garden of God. Isaiah 54, God says to the barren woman, Sing, and I'll change your your barrenness into fruitfulness. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Has the mission, the plan, and the purpose stopped? In Isaiah 59, I'm so tempted to read it. In Isaiah 59, we just left the fasting chapter. The children of Israel have been fasting unacceptably to the Lord. They've been crying out to God. And nothing is happening. It's only getting worse. We've got to read it. Isaiah 59 Uh, verse 12. So they've just gone through, and this is Isaiah speaking here, but he's speaking on behalf of the people. It's kind of like a summation of, of what they're saying and what they're crying out. 
For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them in transgressing and lying against the Lord. When I read that, for whatever reason, the scripture, or this thought pops into my mind, those who attribute the works of the enemy to God, that would qualify for what verse 13 just said, in transgressing and lying against the Lord. And departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Justice is turned back. So just so you can understand the connection in here, because there's kind of this back and forth that happens to this whole chapter. What's being said is because of all of these sins, justice is turned back. Righteousness stands afar off. Truth is fallen in the street. And equity cannot enter. So trouble fa uh, so truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself Pray. So even those who try to turn from evil, they just become victims. That's how bad things are in this chapter. What can God do? It's almost as if these attributes, truth, righteousness, justice, equity, are characters. They're soldiers in God's army and they can't even enter the city because of the iniquity and the false lips of the people. So what does God do? Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man. He wondered that there was no intercessor. Not even anyone is praying. And yet we remember from the previous chapter, they're so-called fasting. They're so-called crying out. But apparently it did not meet the expectation of intercession. You want a picture of great intercession? Go look at Daniel who knelt down in his window. You want a picture of intercession? Go look at Elijah who prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain. Not what happened in Isaiah 58. You want a picture of intercession? See Jesus crying out on your behalf at the right hand of the Father. Therefore his arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness it sustained him, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on the garment of vengeance and clothing, uh, as clothing, and was clad with zeal and as a cloak. According, to, uh, let's skip down, let's skip down, not because I don't want to read it, but I will get caught up. Verse 20, the Redeemer will come to Zion. You could say the Redeemer will come to you. To those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant that I will make with them. With who? Those who will turn to me. My spirit, who is, upon, my spirit is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord. Lord from this time forevermore. Right there, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, working in tandem in the heart of the believer and in the life of the believer to accomplish what? What no man could do, turn death into life, bring life and fruitfulness out of a place of barrenness. Everything that God is doing in this time is about Jesus and about manifesting Jesus. And it shall be accomplished. Yeah. 
by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God working in perfect tandem in the life of the believer. So this plan, this mission, this purpose of God came to pass in a great way. Messiah came. Messiah worked miracles. M Messiah did exactly what Isaiah 61 said he would do. Messiah died. Messiah was raised again. Messiah was seated at the right hand of the Father. But the mission and the purpose and the plan was not finished. It continues. Messiah gave a mandate. Messiah gave a commission. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. I'm working to finish. Verse 17 in Matthew 28. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Some have seen him. Some have not. But Jesus appears to them. And in verse, 27, uh, in verse 17 of Matthew 28. When they saw him. They worshipped him. But some doubted. When they saw him. They worshipped him. Timidity and restraint in worship does not come from personality, although sometimes that's a factor. It doesn't necessarily always come because of the flesh. It beca it's because we fail to behold Jesus. If you saw him, you would worship him with abandon. Amen. It's almost like God is saying something to us. It's almost like he's saying you have to see Jesus. I wonder if we heard that recently. Verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Say all. All, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All authority has been given unto Jesus in heaven and earth. So, we get to sit back, relax, and because all authority has been given to him, he'll just take care of it all. All authority in heaven and on earth, say all. The response to that truth is to go. The response to that truth is to go and to do. And I said it before, and I told the praise team on Monday, I knew this was going to come out one way or the other. But it does not say go and wait for a special leading of the Holy Spirit. It says go and make disciples. It doesn't say let pastor and the leaders of the church do all the work. I think a great, I, when I was preparing this message, I thought of Miss Valerie Maynard and, and Mark Maynard and how when new people, especially people like me who are in college, come to this church and how well they take care of them. Do you realize discipleship doesn't have to be weird? Do you realize it doesn't have to be spooky? Do you realize you don't have to invite someone out for coffee and go, Thus saith the Lord. 
thou shalt follow me around and carry all my stuff. No. Discipleship is living together, not actually living together, but doing life together. Discipleship is more than making converts. American Christianity has fallen vastly short because of its inability to disciple. We like big crowds and we like converts and we like numbers. We don't like living life together. If you are not in a place where you feel like your well is full enough to disciple, fill the well. You need to be here more than you think you do. You need to watch way less TV than you think you do. You need to delete Facebook as fast as you can. And you know what? If you're a guy, you need... Who's over the women's ministry? Miss Glenna. I knew that. Um, <laughs> I clearly know what's going on. If you are a guy, then you need to be asking Jack to breakfast. You should pay and have him pour into you until your well is full. And then you got to go find somebody. And don't take somebody. Don't, don't form these cliques. Don't get into these weird programs where you got to go feel like you got to go make a small group and start a house church and you're taking away instead of building. Just go start a relationship with someone. Let it be appropriate, but pour into them. Make a convert and walk them through the steps of spiritual maturity. Impart to them the word. And if you don't know what to say, go meet with someone like Jack. Go meet with someone like Mrs. Glenna. Remember everything they say. Copy it down and just repeat it verbatim. If that's all you can do, then at least you're doing the word. Otherwise, you are falling into a very dangerous trap that James chapter 1 says is self-deceit. Because you're not doing the word. All authority has been given unto Jesus. Therefore, you go. Not go until you feel comfortable. Not go when it's convenient. You just go. When you signed up for this, you signed up to leave everything else behind and put the kingdom first. Maybe nobody ever told you that before, but I, let me notify you today that it's kingdom first, everything else second, and until that is in right order, nothing else is going to work. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I have to hurry so much. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is the act of baptism, but there is also the doctrine, doctrine of baptisms. Baptism is immersion. Baptism is completely uh, covered. Baptism is completely immersed. The act of water baptism is a symbolic representation of a greater reality. That is first, that old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. The second piece of that is the other piece of the doctrine of baptisms, and that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. When you get born again, you get brought into Christ. You get everything that he has. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he gets all of you. 
Speaking in tongues is powerful because of so many reasons, but it is partly because it is representative of a greater reality. You are no longer just a partaker of all the great things Christ has in you, but now He is a, it has complete hold of you, and tongues is representative of that because the mouth is like the engine of the body. And so wherever the engine goes, wherever the propeller goes, it turns the entire body. It turns your entire life. So tongues is powerful because it represents the reality that in the baptism, the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, He has all of you. Go to Mark chapter 16. Just a couple more things. You have to hear this. This is the same commission. It's worded slightly different. We don't have time to get into all the debate. Anyone who tells you that Mark 16 is not in the original manuscripts doesn't know what they're talking about. They're either willfully ignorant or they're lying. Also, the language there in verse 16, I don't have time to explain it. I was going to, but just know baptism is not a prerequisite for salvation. Don't have time to argue it. Just believe it. Do your homework and figure it out later. Verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they say will. Will cast out demons. They will speak. Say will. Speak with new tongues. They what? Take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly, uh, if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Say will. They will lay hands. Say will. On the sick and they recover. Your promise. Nobody else's promise. It's not a promise to the sick person. It's not a promise to the demon-possessed person. It's not the promise to, I don't know, pastor so-and-so, apostle so-and-so. It's your promise. And the belief that this died with the apostles is false. If we are in a meeting, a, a business meeting, and... And uh, Brother Doug is playing the part of Jesus. I'm in the meeting. Michael's in the meeting. And, and Brother Matt is in the meeting. And Brother Doug says to us, Guys, go into all the world. Make disciples. Which, by the way, the, the Matthew version of this commission talks about teaching. I didn't talk about it, but teaching is part of discipleship. Freebie, there you go. Um, if Brother Doug says, guys, go into all the world, make disciples, and these signs will follow them, he did not say these signs will follow you, people I'm speaking to. These signs will follow them. Who are the them? Those who the disciples were going to go make into other disciples. How could this ministry die with the apostles if the promise wasn't even made to them? It was made to those who would come after. The apostle Paul was not part of the original 12. He was one who was discipled by the 12. So everything Paul did, you can do. It's the same promise. And it's the same word. The variableness does not come from the will of God. It doesn't come from the word of, uh, it doesn't come because of the word of God makes allowance for variableness. The variableness is in us. We are called to be like him. He doesn't change. We shouldn't either. 
And if we were consistently unchanged, established in just this promise, just this mission, just this plan, just this purpose, we'd see the results we'd want to see. I was meditating on Mark 11, and I'm about to close. Maybe. Yeah, I definitely got to close. Um, I was meditating on Mark 11 the other day, 23. And in the Greek it says, starting in verse 22, therefore have faith in God. You look at the Greek more accurately, it says, keep on having faith in God. It's continual. And then as I began to meditate on the, in the Greek on, in verse 23, and if you want to know what the Greek looks like, go read the Weiss translation. It's pretty much spot on, at least in that portion. Therefore, whatever things you desire, uh, excuse me, there, um, verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Some translation says, those things which he says shall come to pass. The light bulb went on. It's not just those things, that thing which you just confessed. It is the consistency of you believing the things that you say come to pass. It's not just the one act of faith, although the one act of faith can produce great results. To him who believes nothing shall be impossible. But the consistency in results comes from the consistency of believing that every word that comes out of your mouth comes to pass. That calling is a whole lot higher than every now and again I say mountain move. You want another proof? Luke 18, the unjust judge. Jesus said, I give you this parable so that men will pray always, 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 and not lose heart. And what does he say? God will answer them speedily, those who cry out to him day and night. That sounds like a contradiction. It's not. Those who have a history of consistent Faith, action, God will answer speedily. It's not the one-time act of faith. It is the consistency of the thing. The ending of the commission. Verily I am with you even to the end of the age. In Romans chapter 16, the Apostle Paul, the same man who, at the very least, everything he did, you ought to be doing daily. You don't need a platform. You could do it in the workplace. You can do it at the supermarket. You don't have to be weird. I know a story of a man who saw a guy with a crushed hand walked by him. This happened a couple months ago. He said, what happened to your hand? Oh, I heard, it in a, I heard it in construction accident. Took the man by the hand and said, let me show you something really cool. In Jesus' name, be whole. And his hand was healed. Not spooky, not weird, not invasive. And the guy didn't hang around. He walked off so that he didn't bring attention to himself. It can be simple. And you know, if it doesn't happen the first time, don't expect that. But if it doesn't happen the first time, who cares? You have a command from God. Go do it. We want results, but if we got no results, we know that we still have a responsibility to be obedient. We want results because we, we like to be comfortable. We like to massage the flesh. We care a lot about our reputation. Results matter, don't get me wrong, but that's not the point of obedience. Okay, Paul spoke several times in his gospel about a mystery.
In Romans 16 and verse 24 and 25, he talks about the mystery of what he preached. In Ephesians 1 and in Ephesians 3, he makes mention of the mystery of the gospel. Well, in Colossians 1, in verse 26 and 27, he finally tells us, what is this mystery? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus has not changed. And like I said earlier, baptism is, is uh, the doctrine of baptisms is that complete, full immersion. You get everything in Christ. You become so rich when you get Jesus and he gives you all of himself. But you walk out the mystery of the gospel. You walk out the mission, the plan, and the purpose when you surrender and let the Holy Spirit have all of you. No part left untouched until you are walking in Christ in you, the hope of glory until the truth of what God has said, let what God has joined together, let no man separate. Till you are so fused, I'm telling you today, before I die or before Jesus comes back, you won't be able to tell the difference someday. You will not be able to tell the difference between me and him. I'm determined of it. Nothing else is more important. Everything God is doing in this time and in this season is about Jesus. It's about manifesting Jesus. And it will be accomplished by the word of God and by the spirit of God working in tandem in the life of every believer. It shall come to pass because we, don't not, we do not yet know what we will be like, but we know that when he is revealed, we will be like him. Not when he is revealed, we become like him. When he is revealed, we will be like him. Before I die, you won't tell the difference between him and I. Have all of me, Jesus. Have everything. stand to your feet. I want to pray over you. We'll make a confession together. I will pray over you. People will be healed, set free, delivered. Family circumstances will change. Financial situations will change. Anything that is not kingdom will change. <clears throat> and then Matt will come up and close us. And that we might sing a chorus together. I'm not sure. Say this with me. Jesus is with me. Sometimes you have to shout because this, there's something in you that is complacent and to shake it off you have to get aggressive. If you're going to break this thing, whatever it is, you need to speak to it with authority. Jesus is with me. Jesus is for me. 
therefore, all things are possible. Nothing shall hurt me. I do lay hands on the sick, and they recover. I make disciples. I baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. I teach. I cast out devils. I cleanse the leper. I have victory in every circumstance. Christ is in me. Manifest through me. He is the hope of glory. I am his vessel, filled to overflowing. I have all of him. He has all of me. Everywhere I go, God goes. Sickness flees. Disease goes. Devils go. Now shout. Shout. Speak to it. Speak to it. Speak to it. Come on. Speak to it. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, every spirit of infirmity within the sound of my voice, every infirmed body within the sound of my voice, every circumstance of lack and poverty, every circumstance of restraint and torment, spirits of pain, tormenting spirits, spirits who rob of rest, demons who torment through nightmares, demons who steal and who kill and who destroy, demons who pervert, perverted spirits, unclean spirits, spirits of lack, spirits of thievery, spirits of devouring. In the name of Jesus whom I represent, I say today your assignment is canceled. I speak to every family circumstance. I say to every deceived individual, be loosed now in Jesus' name. Be free now in Jesus' name. Receive the kingdom. Receive the kingdom. Right now, receive it. For the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And though these words of mine are small, they are the words of my master. And they are planted. Enemy, Satan, you shall not steal them. I command a garrison of angels to surround the word that has been planted. It shall grow up. And though it may be small, though this may be a moment in time, the kingdom of God is in me and it is in these people here. And if, if we can broadcast through the internet and through radio waves, then the kingdom of God, the power of God, and the anointing of God travels without problem, and it travels without issue across the airwaves, and it plants, and it grows up, and it will be the greatest tree, as Jesus said, greater than all the others, greater than all the wickedness. This is the power of the kingdom, its mission, its plan, its, perm its purpose. It is absolute dominance. So kingdom of God, go forth now and dominate in Jesus' name. Say amen. Everything that God is doing in this time and in this season is about Jesus and about manifesting Jesus and it shall be accomplished by the word of God and the spirit of God working in perfect tandem in the life of the believer. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So freedom word church go. And he's with you to the very end of the age. God bless you. Brother Matt, come on up.